Welcome to Threads of Enlightenment, your journey into personal growth. The splendor of any decision is after you've made it, all that remains to be seen are its consequences. My name is Ken Primus. I am your host. Here at Threads of Enlightenment, we talk about the principles of self-development and personal growth. By having conversation with people, who have walked through their journey of personal growth. We believe that everyone at some point in their life will have to deal with one or more of these principles to have the privilege of focusing on their self-development as humans. These principles, when applied, can help you to become the best self possible. Welcome to another episode of Threads of Enlightenment. It is always my honor to stop here for a minute and thank my guests for a couple of things. I really do uh, feel it's very important. I know it's important to me, and so I know that it is important to those that are on the journey as well, and that is their time. I want to thank you so much, Mitch, for time, because time is a valuable thing. A lot of people misuse it, don't understand the purpose of it. But once you're awakened, you understand the value of it and you know how to use it well. And so I want to thank you so much that you are here to spend some of that precious stuff here with us at Threads of Enlightenment. The other is your journey, uh, Mitch, which houses so much stuff. It houses pain, strength, power, defeat, knowledge, wisdom, all of these things. It was you. And so it brought you to who you are today, and it is our honor to be here to engage with you so that we learn from you to become a better human spirit while we are here on this earth. Welcome to Threads of Enlightenment, sir. Thank you so much, Ken. I'm so excited to be here. You and I have already had some really amazing conversations, and uh, I'm very much looking forward to having this one, too. And hopefully someone out there... um, it resonates with, you know, and it brightens up their day and it helps them connect to some enlightenment. Excellent. Tell them uh, what you have created so far, because I tell them that we go through our journey, uh, Mitch, for a couple of things. It'll, it'll pull out our gift. And once we recognize what it is, we then put it in a format and we live out of this place. And it's a beautiful place to be. So tell them what you have created so far, because I tell them that the creator um, uh, one of the things that uh, troubles the spirit of a creator is complacency. And once we are awake, complacency becomes one of the enemies that we cannot stand. So talk to them about those things that you've given birth to so far. Absolutely. Yeah, that reminds me of, uh, of a euphemism that goes, um, when the, uh, there is no fear when the mission to serve is clear. And yeah. for me, um, I'm sure we'll get into kind of like why I got to that point, but my, after that big inflection point, after my struggles, the point I kind of got is, um, I want to show people that we have been programmed by society. You know, we have been led to believe certain things that have caused us to become so disconnected from our intuition, from our desires, from our knowledge of ourselves that we don't trust ourselves anymore. You know, we always rely on external messages to, or external validation. And we go after things that support that, like an expensive car or a nice house or an attractive partner or, you know, degrees or, you know, just various accolades because we need to get outside confirmation that what we're doing is right because we're so disconnected from, 
from our own intuition. You know, as children, that's just beaten out of us by well-meaning yeah. adults, but it is. And I clearly came to the realization of how much that upset me and how much it upset me to live in a box, to live like a caged animal and to live like other people wanted me to and to partake in a society that I don't agree with at a fundamental level. And I was lonely. I felt disconnected. I felt like my life had no meaning. Like I was waking up, sleepwalking through life and going to bed and having no idea what the, what the, that the day had gone by in a flash. And then the weeks had gone by in a flash. And then the years had gone by in a flash. And so I said to myself, well, I'm pretty professionally accomplished as a programmer, but what is my spiritual mission? What was I put on this earth to, to do? What is my gift to express? And, you know, that journey started a few, about two years or so ago when I started doing a lot of introspection, a lot of questions and a lot of curiosity about myself. And I discovered that what I want to do is build community with people. What I want to do is inspire people. And I want to stand up for people that can't do that for themselves or aren't comfortable or are uncomfortable doing that for themselves. And in that process, I want to wake people up. That's good, man. So we're going to talk about that because waking people up is what we try to do here at Threads of Enlightenment. <laughs> I want to take you back, uh, Mitch, and I call it, uh, most people call it the family. And mm -hmm. since I've um, been uh, on this path, I realized that it was even much more than a family. It was a lab. It is the lab where we have these scientists we call parents that from their prism of their revelation of whatever trauma they, they uh, had through their life, they now see and make decisions based on that trauma. Then they are about to deposit some stuff yes. into you and I. And yes. um, as they began to deposit things, you and I began to learn and make decisions. Talk to me about your family life. How was that um um, your first entry into this world, if you will. You know, you know that's that's definitely a complex and and um, interesting piece of the puzzle. You know, um, as you've alluded to, the beginnings of the beginnings. I would say certainly many of the beginnings are right there, um, yeah. where I had I would say a loving family, but as you said, they are scientists and scientists try to do their best. But what scientists mm -hmm. do is, you know, they start a science experiment and then. They take the things they've learned and they didn't learn and they start over yeah. again. But, you know, with parents, <laughs> like a kid grows up and that that the things that you've tried are still there. Yeah. And so for me, you know, my childhood was very much, um, you know, suck it up, keep pushing forward and don't complain. You know, if your body is telling you you're in pain, ignore it and find the silver lining and keep pushing forward, you know, and if I told my mom I had a headache, she would say, well, come back in two hours. And if you still have a headache, you might get half an ibuprofen. Um, wow. You know, so it was, she was very loving and very kind. Mm -hmm. My mom is one of those purse people where you look in their eyes and just see this bright soul living there. Um, yeah. You know, a very hardworking, uh, very uh, moral, very good father. Um, but some he, he just, because of his own trauma, lacked the ability to connect on a deep emotional level. So yeah. I didn't really grow up with a father in, in an emotional connection. I grew up with a father where, you know, there's kind of a baseline there. I knew I was cared for, um, but I didn't have a dad I could talk to about life or a dad I could um, learn really deep, meaningful emotions from. And I didn't really see those reflected in him either. Um, and everything I learned about my dad really came through my mom. And wow. my brother and sister, I'm the youngest one. So, of course, I was the annoying little brat. 
um, mm-hmm. which I kind of was. So they just kind <laughs> of distanced themselves from me. And um, my brother kind of isolated himself in his room behind his computer doing creative stuff. And my sister was usually out of the house. So uh, for me, growing up was very, very lonely in the family unit. Um, I, I, I definitely felt very, um, I would say, unacknowledged and, um, and very lonely. How did that, um, those feelings, because I tell people feelings are powerful, it's a powerful drug um, because it, it, uh, it will help dictate our lives and based on yes. that particular feeling about a certain situation, we will make decisions sometimes. Uh, they talk about yes. um, flight and uh, fighting. You come up with different ways. How did you as a young man manage yourself with that type of feeling, let's say in high school and stuff like that around other people outside of your family? You know, I would say it really carried on. I, You know, that's an excellent question for me. Um, school, I didn't fit in. I was very not necessarily eccentric, but just unusual. I was extremely curious and somewhat ADD. Um, so teachers didn't know what to do with me. You know, most adults couldn't answer the questions I had because they didn't have an answer themselves. You know, they were programmed mm-hmm. by society. And I picked up on that when I was a little kid and I challenged that and that made them uncomfortable. So I was more like put in a corner, like stay quiet and don't, don't challenge us. And, yeah. um, you know, as I went into uh, more like high school years and teenage years, um, I had, I would have resonated and attract certain people that, um, felt similar things I did, I would say. So I had some companionship here and there, but it wasn't like seeing my friends going out to play soccer or going out to drink beers or going out to do things. And me just kind of, you know, sitting alone in my room, wondering what's wrong with me. And, um, I grew up in the Netherlands. Um, I lived there for 20 years before I moved to the United States when I was 20 years old by enlisting in the Air Force. And, you know, that theme kind of carried on where um, being in the Netherlands, I, um, you know, as you said, those those emotions become like a drug. And I truly believe that, you know, your body's always trying to get to it's regular, it's normal, it's homeostasis. So you get addicted to emotions, even if they're bad emotions. And the relationships I entered, the things I surrounded myself with um, kind of perpetuated, especially my childhood trauma. I had a a good deal of childhood trauma during my teenage years and um, my adolescent years. And the the partners I attracted and such kind of perpetuated that trauma. And and so right up until I left uh, for America, uh, I'd always kind of been in that in that like unacknowledged, um, unseen, uh, lonely place. And by that time, I'd already moved to three different cities in the Netherlands. And then when I enlisted in the Air Force, um, I moved, I've moved to seven different states in, in America since then and many dozens of cities here. Um, so I would say that theme continued in the sense that it's always been very easy for me to just pack my bags and move across the country because I didn't have very meaningful, close relationships. And so there was nothing tying me to this particular spot on earth. Um, yeah. And yeah. Let me, let me ask you a question, um, Mitch. Why, why did you gravitate towards the, the forces um, versus going into, um, uh, let's say, college or something like that? What was it that drove you towards that uh, area first? Well, you know, I would say at the time, um, I had a very different image of strength. Um, 
you know, again, my, uh, the way I kind of perceived masculinity and strength and, you know, I suppose gender roles and these different things. Um, I think I really saw the military as, you know, discipline, strength, things I grew up with, right. From, Mm -hmm. from my father, um, who was also in the military and he never really made any indication that he wanted me to go in the military. In fact, he probably thought it was a terrible idea because he knew (laughs) how anti-authoritarian I am. But, um, as always, he let me go my way. And I think, I went the route of the military because I knew that it would set me up for success in the U.S. And I didn't know anything about college. I didn't know um, how college worked here. So, mm-hmm. you know, I looked up on the Internet a little bit and it was also confusing. I just said, you know what, I'm just going to go with the military. It will be a challenge um, and which is something I really like. Um, it had that image of strength that I that I had at the time. And um, yeah, it seemed it seemed like the best way forward at the time. And it's not something I would do now, but if I went back in time, I wouldn't certainly wouldn't change a thing. But yeah, that's that's how that started. So when when you went into the military, because one of the um, perception about the military is that they began to, um, if you will, began to teach you the power of the mind, especially when it comes to training yes. and, and yes. introducing that aspect into your living and uh, making one aware of pushing the self beyond the self, if you will. Um, yes. Talk to us as to when you discovered that type of mentality and that type of belief system, how did you assimilate into it? Did you did you uh, fight it or were you excited to, be, to, to have this new um, way of thinking and believing? I, I love that. So... I would say I was warmed up to that mindset a little bit already just because of the way I grew up and just because Mm -hmm. of how much I had already been pushing myself. Um, But it definitely was an all other level when I was in the military. You know, imagine, well, you know, you've moved to a different part of the planet, but imagine when you're, you know, you've lived for 20 years at 20 years old, you move to the other side of the planet and then for eight weeks, your everything is taken from you. All your clothes, yeah. you know, you don't have your phone. You you have nothing to contact anyone with. All I could do is write letters, and that would take three four three to four weeks to get to the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know, you're in like this giant dormitory with like fifty other recruits, and um, you're kind of like, oh shit, what did I do? And <laughs> You know, there's marching and 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 extreme exercising, like especially um, the the career field I was in. It was um, a a horrendous amount of exercise, and and of course I enjoyed it, but it was definitely to the point where it resulted in a lot of injury and sickness. Yeah. And at that point, I kind of discovered that you know, no matter how the body feels, no matter how tired it is, no matter um, no matter how much you feel like you can't do more, the mind can always do more. The mind will keep going until your body is completely and utterly broken. And it goes so much farther than than we realize. And of course, you know, there's pros and cons to that. There's situations where yeah. we need to push the body because their survival depends on it. Um, but there's also cases like my case where it's kind of not so great um, during that time anyway, because, you know, your body suffers from it so much. But yeah. because of that, you know, I and we can get into that um, if you want later. But because of that, I really hit 
a low point where I really discovered my spiritual strength. And that's when I realized like, yes, my body is weak, but I am not my body. I am my mind and I am the energy within my body. And when I had that realization, um, something in my mind just clicked and I just realized how separate our body is and that we don't have a mind you know, that, that it isn't the body that manifests the mind, but that it's the mind that manifests the body yeah. and how much strength there is to the mind. Yeah. We have been programmed to, to look from strength from the outside in and the original design is from the inside out. Um, yes. You know, so yes. yeah, that's why I asked that question because once you, once you are aware of it, uh, especially the military, they will push you to a different level and uh, yes. cause you yes. to uh, experience that separation between the body and mind. You, you, you know it when you get there and yeah. you know how it can be broken, but yet it could still move. So here you are in the military, Mitch. They're pushing you to the limit. They're breaking you physically and mentally, all of that stuff. And... Um, you are here, but it's it's beginning to, uh, as they say, beginning to make you, beginning to make you aware of the separation of body and the mind and all of the power that houses within that. So you had mentioned briefly, as you're talking about breaking down the body, talk to us a little about when you got there, when the body said, you know what, I need a break. Um, I understand that you're all this mental stuff. But I don't think I'm going to come along on this ride. And uh, it sounds like it revolted a little on you. Talk to us about that. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, that was, um, I would say, a four to five year um, development. But the, the way it, it started is that when I was in training at some point, you know, my legs were really hurting and my back was really hurting. I had shin splints. I had all these weird pains and, 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 and tingling feelings. And um, I was taking... Probably I was going through like a bottle of ibuprofen like every other day or so, like a couple of weeks. Wow. I was taking so much ibuprofen because, uh, of course, you can't go to a doctor. You know, you can't get anything prescribed. Yeah. You can only get something, you know, from a grocery store because going to a doctor will get you disqualified. Um, and eventually those problems really only started building and building and building. And I was switched career fields. I quit that specific program just because I felt like my body could no longer take it. And when I was reclassified into air traffic control, I was able to take things quite um, a little bit easier, but I still had this, you know, intense desire to do really well my physical testing. Like I always got like, you have to do yearly um, or if you do really well, you go once a year. If you have a lower score, you have to go twice a year, but it's like, you know, running, push ups, measurements, all these things to make sure people are fit. And I always made sure to get like 99.5 or even hundred percent of those tests. So I really pushed myself. And I also was really being into weightlifting because it was a great way to challenge myself and to move beyond those obstacles and to show me, Hey, the mind is more powerful than the body. And at some point, again, it got to the point where, um, I couldn't exercise myself anymore. And that built up so much stress, so much anxiety and so much, you know, depression that I really didn't have a choice except going to the doctors. Um, and when they made their diagnosis, um, I have a broken back and some other nerve conditions. Um, when they made that determination, I was disqualified from air traffic control. And then I had two years left on my contract. So now it was, well, you know, I'm dealing with all these mental health issues. I'm dealing with all these pains in my body. And 
I could get sent to another state because I just lost my job. I'm going to get retrained and then they're going to send me to a different state for a different school and then a different state or a different country to do that job. So, you know, there was all this mental pain of, of, of both from the past and the future, as well as all this pain in my body. And I just completely broke down. I failed to function as a human being. I no longer took care of myself. I didn't take regular showers. I didn't regularly brush my teeth. I didn't clean up my house. I didn't walk my dogs. Um, I just became this dead shell of a person just pretending to be alive so that nobody would pay too much attention. And, um, and it was really at that point where, um, where at some point I said, you know, this is, this is not a way to live. And I recognize that. And I think that's really when I started getting curious about, um, about things beyond the physical, about, you know, about my mind, about spirituality. I'd never been very spiritual before that. I'd always had a very visceral, uh, negative reaction because of the religion, the impact religion has had on my life, like all the damage I've seen, I'd seen it done. And so it wasn't until that point that I really started, you know, um, exploring that. Talk to me about that, because um, I, I always tell people, I call it, Mitch, the day of visitation, and it shows up, as I mentioned earlier, shows up in so many different forms. And that day is um, a dark day. And I tell people, I grew up in a church, and um, I remember reading the Bible, and it said that um, God showed up when it was dark. Darkness was upon the earth, and then he showed up. And I always find that pretty fascinating because I remember I I had all these things when I had my dark days. And I remember going back into that and said, wait a minute. If he can create, I want to create just like like, like him. (laughs) And so I went back into that Bible and I pulled out the... um, the principles by which he mm-hmm. created. And I, as I began to learn my journey and, and as I've grown in my journey, I realized that the purpose of the um, darkness, Mitch, is to awaken the creator because the creator is not needed until there's some darkness because you and I are having so much fun in breaking down our life. As we say, we're just making a mess out of it. And the creator is residing with us inside of us, looking at us going, this guy is absolutely crazy. You know, I want to help him, but (laughs) he's he's not giving me the opportunity to uh, help him. And in fact, he doesn't even know that I exist. So a situation needs to be created so that we can see that this creator exists. And just like you said, one of the very first thing God did when he, he said, he said, and you and I do the same principles. You just told me, Mitch, that you said to yourself, I can't do this. And so you initiated the process by which now you're going to yes. create. And I tell people, don't yes. be afraid of the darkness. There's someone there that wants to introduce himself to you that is deeper within you. And you just need to give him yes. the opportunity get on your knees and say, I messed up or talk to yourself. And, you know, I'm talking when you break down, you're yes. crying. He's like, I messed up really bad, man. I need you to come out and help me out. So talk yeah. to us yeah. right here, Mitch, right here, because this is a dark place. Your body is broken. The body is the thing in your field of, of choice is necessary in order to move. The mind is necessary in order to move because of, again, your feel. Both of them have um, give out, if you will. And here you are, yes. that little creator inside of you said, 
Uh-uh. So now talk to us right here at this space, Mitch. When you made that decision, and I call it the statement of faith, you believe this thing more than anyone else because you it's now going to govern your life. What was that statement that you made? And what was the steps, Mitch, that you took to start walking? Because that is a dark place. Wow, that's that's incredibly um, insightful question. You know, I it's funny. It happened exactly as you said, when I on that day, when everything just seemed to crescendo and my mind was broken and my body was broken. And I thought to myself, I can't do this anymore. And this yeah. scary thought came up in my head and it was, what if I ended it? You know, what wow. if I, what if I found a way to end life? And I long, and of course those thoughts have been with me for quite some time, Yeah. but then I felt something within me say, you don't have the right to, you don't wow. have control over something like that. You don't have the right to do that. And then I said to myself, almost a surrender where I said, okay, if I don't have control over that, then I'll surrender to whoever does or whatever does. And in my mind at those, at that, at that time, the, the, the best way to summarize it is a passage from the Bible where it goes, Lord, here I am, send me. And in that moment, I realized that everything I had been through and everything that I'd experienced was so that I could lessen that for other people. Like if yeah. I could find a way to to reduce other people's pain, to reduce other people's suffering, then that was going to take away my own suffering too. And in that moment of darkness, that light that came was knowing that there was a way forward by having a positive impact on the world, by taking away suffering rather than adding to it, which I think I have been doing. And the steps I took from there on were taking care of myself you know, figuring out what is it that I need. And at that time, it was not getting another career field. So I pleaded with leadership to just discharge me. I said, please just discharge me. At this point, I don't care if it's honorable or dishonorable. And luckily, I did get honorable. But I I said, I just, I, I don't, I can't do this anymore. I want to go my own way. I need to take care of myself. And the second thing I did is I stopped hurting my body. I stopped doing the weightlifting, which was really hurting my body. Um, I stopped all sorts of habits that were really not good for my body. Um, So I started taking care of myself and I started building myself up in ways that I knew were right for me. And that's different for everyone. But I got curious about myself. I really started listening to my pain. And instead of trying to suppress it, I started asking myself, what is my body telling me? Like, what sorts of activities does it want to do? What sorts of information does it want to listen to? What sorts of people does it want to be around? You know, how does it want to be treated? How does it want to be made to feel like the authentic me, not the the, the version of me that was programmed by society, but the little scared kid inside of me? What does he need? Yeah. And once I got to that place where I had some footing, um, I started developing myself professionally and I started building some security around my life, you know, being able to have um, living arrangement and being able to properly take care of myself um, financially. And once I got to that point, I started asking, how can I radiate this outwards to the world? It's like, how can I pay everything that I've learned, all the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of books I've read, all the thousands of dollars I've spent on retreats, on coaching, how can I pay that forward? And then I realized it's by finding people that have similar feelings as I do and by writing to them, writing about my experiences with mental health, writing about them, um, about my habits and the things I've learned and sharing the wisdom and engaging people in conversation. And 
those are the steps that I've taken and I'm not sure what the next one is, but um, I would say that's kind of the bird's eye view of, 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 of the major steps that I took from, you know, physical to mental to spiritual. Yeah, I think you were, and I, tell, I know it sounds a little crude, but I absolutely believe it, uh, Mitch. Um, I believe uh, the need of was so great with folks like you that someone had to go through it that would be trusted enough yes. in order that once they come out on the other side, they would not um, become a miser, a hoarder, if you will, of the knowledge, of the wisdom, the tools that you gained to come out of the darkness, to then turn back and become one of the greatest things I've ever positioned that is ever given to a human yes. being. And that is to serve another human being. And I believe yes. because you could have been trusted with the journey that you were chosen and you came out and the, there's a scripture in the Bible that I, comes to my mind. It says, you are now able to comfort those with the comfort that you got uh, while you went through your journey. Yes. And so that when yes. you, uh, what happens when you go through and you're able to do that? Well, a couple of things, uh, Mitch, you, when you speak on that subject, you know firsthand, and the words that you are speaking is so powerful because it is you. Because it's not you just had the book knowledge, you have the experience. And I believe that when you speak with that power from the experience, the hearer of your word, uh, your words, Mitch, it, they feel it because I believe it comes with such power that they recognize it. That's why when you stand and you tell your, your story, someone will be coming to you and say, man, what you said, you know, hit me yes. right here. Because why? The power yes. that you release with those words will find some yes. heart that needs it, that are in that pain and bring them to you so that you can give them the additional information that is necessary for them to get out where they, they need to get out. And so that's what I, I felt that, you know, I believe we all are chosen to go through it because we could be trusted with the information to become a servant. Thank you, Ken. Um, I think that's that's beautifully and eloquently worded. Um, I think you summarized what I feel intuitively um, beautifully into words. And I think for a long time, and I'm sure you can relate to this too, and maybe many listeners, I was so angry. It, it, lit, it reminds me a little bit of the book of Job's where I was so angry. And I just, you know, there are times when I just yelled at the ceiling. I'm like, God, if you're real, then why am I going through this? If you're supposed to be good, then why, then why have I never been alive? Why has all, have all these things happened to me? And I had so much anger and frustration and now, as you said, I consider it my greatest gift because it gives my life meaning and I don't have to sleepwalk through life. I don't have to live like a pro programmed robot in Western society, you know, wasting my days um, doing things that are inconsequential to me, um, yeah. which it's given me a meaning in life and it's given me a way to serve people. And as you said, I think that's the highest calling. And I know this was the path I was supposed to walk and I have nothing but gratitude for it now in a clear direction of where I want to go and so much excitement for the future. Yeah, I tell people um, in this life, find your purpose and it will make you purposeful. <laughs> so um, talk to me, uh, Mitch, about one of those tools that you utilize because uh, you had to use something as you began to uh, move through your journey. 
uh, people, mm-hmm. some use meditation, some use journaling, some use mm-hmm. all, uh, all yeah. running, whatever those tools were. What were some of those tools that you personally relied on to begin to strengthen your spirit, soul, and body as you began to move through your daily practice and your daily awakening um, while you were here on this planet? Um, so for me, the one I started with um, was meditation. Um, you know, I, I've i always been, I've had trouble sitting still, ADD, whatever you want to label it. But, you know, so I had to start slow, but I decided to start with five minutes and add five minutes every month. So essentially, you know, January do five minutes, February do 10 minutes. And so I ended after a year, I ended up doing, being able to do an hour of meditation. And that habit started probably, gosh, I would say four years or so ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've meditated almost every day since I, I, I don't do an hour anymore now, though would love to get back to it, but it's just something I needed to prove to myself, I suppose. And I, I have these memories of meditating as a child and feeling like I was floating out of my body. It was something my mm-hmm. mom introduced me to. And so I've always wanted to get back to that feeling where I just felt so free from disturbances and anxiety that I just existed as pure energy. And I get fleeting moments of that now still a lot. And the meditation has allowed me to, I think, physically rewire my brain and mentally and spiritually allowed me to really connect to my higher self and, and get like this rest, you know, this equanimity, this peace that I can kind of take with me and smile at other people and love other people instead of just wanting to see um, the bad in everything. And so meditation has been huge for me and I rec- or I recommend it to anyone. And I coupled that with journaling where, you know, I think um, it's, as you said, we're explorers of ourselves, of our mind. And I think that journaling is a great way to engage the whole mind, all the different areas of the brain, and to really lean into the curiosity, like talking about the things that excites you, talking about the things that scare you and talk about the things that are helping you. And then being able to go back to it like a year later or months later and reflecting on that. And just seeing a completely different person and just understanding that your thoughts in the moment are completely different from what they will be. And just seeing how much you've grown or seen how much things have changed or seen how much things have stayed the same, the things that you enjoy. Yeah. Um, I would say journaling and meditation in that sense, because of those reasons are, are some of my biggest uh, tools. I think for me, it was meditation. Uh, meditation is where I controlled mm-hmm my day before it even existed and moved. And so as I began uh, meditating, I I remember the same thing. My mind would be dancing all over the place. And um, I got to a point where I can go beyond an hour and stuff like that. And I've I've gotten the thing about meditation that I tell people, um, Mitch, is that it may take you um, some time to get to where you need to. And but after you get there to that place where you can put yourself being in this, this state, is, if you will, meditation is yes. to take you into the state. I keep telling them that breath is between the spiritual and the natural. When you do your meditation, you walk in. If you quiet yourself and you begin to take some deep breath, you will take a breath that will transport you from the natural realm into the spiritual realm. And you will know it. And as you said, you yes. saw yourself or you felt yourself floating um, uh, that is, I have done that. I have actually had out of body experiences where I was mm. uh, moving beyond different, um, uh, planes, if you will. And I remember 
having having to pull myself back into my body because I I was it was a new area and I was not yes. um, I didn't think I was strong enough to get there yet because I you know sometimes you can get lost and so I had to bring myself That's scary mm-hmm. it is a scary thing but uh, now Mitch I can take myself into that space if you will in five minutes where it would take me an hour before because I know how to get there quicker and that five minutes right I could I would be deep in in five minutes before where it would take me an hour to get so you may not need the hour you may just need a 10 minute one <laughs> you know instead of right. instead it's of whatever's hour. needed yes it, it is and that's what I tell people do not become dogmatic when it comes to your growth allow yourself the space to get tired allow yourself to say you know I, I don't feel like it, you know, but yes. don't be judgmental, but yes. allow yourself the space to grow. Allow yourself the place to heal because you are learning about you. As Mitch had said, we began to start investigating about our, ourselves and we start utilizing tools that we find from our studies and our looking and searching that we can then apply to our own self and uh, began to create this new person that we are. So, Mitch, you started incorporating these tools. Talk to us about the rewiring of one's brain, because that is a powerful thing that you must do in order, because you were programmed before, and um, your programming, your past programming, as the computer says, sometimes you have to clean that hard drive. Uh, Sometimes you need to put in a... um, you know, there's a virus there and you have to put a virus cleaner to clean it up. Yes. So um, as you began to take your virus cleaner, which is your meditation and your journaling, um, talk to us about how did you begin to notice you in that space? Here's this young man with all of the trauma. How did you look to you, if you will? I would say I would say it took small action. You know, I I I. I knew that if I started just with like a five minute meditation, I wouldn't, I wouldn't return those moments of immediately floating out of my body. I knew that I had to build up to it. And I knew that if I were to start a longer session right away, I would quit before I knew it because that's not, that's not something that would have been very easy for me as probably for most people. And I also knew that a lot of the beliefs I had around myself, the way I responded to things, you know, like let's say you're scrolling through a social media feed and you see certain things that trigger you or you're listening to advertisements or watching TV and, and just things that trigger you. I knew there were a lot of messages that um, that I had internalized by society about, uh, you know, being unworthy or not being loved or about being damaged or, um, you know, X, Y, Z, all these different beliefs. And and so I picked up on on these messages. I knew they were there, um, and I knew that that just challenging those beliefs and just keeping yourself like reframing everything it's 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 not always going to resolve the underlying cause. And and I think that's kind of when I got into into meditation and reprogramming the brain because I knew that you know there's all these just like highways in the brain, you know, all these neural yes. pathways, and they've mm-hmm. been. They've been late like that for, you know, decades in my case, you know, for, for, for most of the things we do, they're, they're the beginning of the beginnings are all in our brain. And so I knew that to get a certain kind of control, I, I had to rewire it for peace. Like I stopped, I, I, I had to 
stop coming from a place of scarcity, from a place of fear. I had to start coming from a place of abundance and love and gratitude and connection. And for meditation, the way I think what that did for me is when I had those those moments of peace, of, of calm, um, I got connected to myself. Like I noticed what I really am as a person, like this being of light and energy that is nothing but love, that has no judgment, that has no language, you know, that has no need to see himself from separate as others or even see himself as a man or any gender or sexual orientation, but rather just this awareness that is observing the present. And that takes over or that bleeds over into your personal life. You know, when you live without meditation, you have all those judgments, you have all that programming, you're not aware of them. Um, there's a lot of questions that are unanswered, or even if you're, yeah. if you know, you may not even be asking those questions, but when you do the meditation and, and what that did for me and how it showed up is that if I went through my days and I had those judgments and I had those ideas, it started building that awareness to not necessarily directly challenge them, but to just observe them and to just say like, Hey, you know what? I want to walk and I'm looking at people and I'm forming all these judgments and opinions about them. What does that say about me? And that's when I really noticed my brain changing because instead of waking up and, you know, moving through my days with anxiety and some sense of urgency, I noticed that I started getting these periods of time where I felt very peaceful during the day and where I would walk around and just want to hug people and just want to tell them I love them, even though I'd never seen them before. And that's really how I noticed my brain changing, where it wasn't like this, this super busy street of, you know, thoughts passing by like cars, one after the other, after the other, it started becoming more like this serene garden where I was able to love and appreciate everything around me. Let me tell you guys what meditation does. Meditation slows the thoughts that comes to our head. Uh, because when you and I are living, we are so busy that when the thought comes, those thoughts that we coming and they're coming by a million of them a minute, that we don't, um, how we live our life is this, we just exist. But when you put yourself in a state of awareness through meditation, you are now making true choices. That's the difference between yes. one that is walking without meditation and one who, that is walking with meditation is that that meditation will allow you to make choices, to begin to identify uh, the thought patterns and thoughts that come in and reasons. And, and you begin to question all of those things. And as you begin to learn uh, from yourself, as you begin to answer those things and see, it um, will alert you to the greatness that is you and all of the noise that is outside of you. Guys, every single one of you that are listening to this conversation with Mitch uh, and you are in a dark place, your body doesn't work anymore. Your mind is just quit on you and says, I'm, I'm done. As Mitch said, you get to that place and you think, is it worth it to live? I, I, I want to check out. I got someone here that I'm talking to you guys that can help you out can help guide you. Um, they're called coaches and so forth, but I call them more so that they are guides. They are going to teach you how to ask those questions that they have asked to help you to see the greatness in you, to get you your desired outcome. He is going to guide you. I got someone and I'm talking to him and I want you guys to reach out 
too much. Get into his space because we don't want any of you to be in that place where he was. And I'm, I can just, I, I can hear him, how he talks about the pain and he doesn't want you there either. And he knows how to hold your hands and he knows how to empathize with you because, guys, he has been there. And with his guidance, you will come out much faster than if you were just doing it by yourself. Get in touch with Mitch and pull everything out of him. And I'm sure he's going to love it. So here you are, Mitch. You, you, you began to learn all these different tools and you began to, to put it together. What was your process then to begin to move forward, to become and begin to initiate your servanthood type of lifestyle, if you will? So my biggest change or my biggest um, journey into servanthood was community, like getting focused on community. You know, before that, I'd always been very isolated. I'd always been very uh, individualistic, like focused on me with these beliefs of, oh, nobody's going to keep me safe. The world's a dangerous place. I have to do it myself. I can't trust anyone. And I completely turned that around. I turned that into the opposite. I said, the reason we're strong as a human species is because of our diversity. It's because of teamwork. It's because of connection. And so I got focused on that. I got focused on how can I help other people? If a friend needs to ride to the airport, I'll do it. If a friend needs to talk about something emotional, I'll do it. I wanted to show up in every way for people that were important to me, right? Because you can't do that for everyone. That's the quickest way to burn out. But like yeah. I said, who is important to me and how can I show up for them? And so I built community. I did, you know, I started rock climbing, you know, which is a very community-based um, physical activity um, yeah. or surfing, which you can do with other people. I started doing all these physical activities that I could do together with all the pe other people instead of just working out by myself. And um, I also learned to... Um, also take care of myself again. So, um, doing the meditation, doing the journaling, you know, having a morning routine, like getting up before work and doing things that, 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 that the day starts on my terms and then taking that out and, 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 and projecting that onto my community, you know, contributing and getting curious about other people and supporting them and, and inspiring them and getting inspired by them. Um, and so the biggest things I really learned are how to build behaviors around, Keeping, keeping me not just mentally healthy, but also happy, you know, and that such habits like med meditating and journaling yeah. and, um, you know, exercising. And so I built what I did is I got curious about my needs and I built habits around that as well as, you know, what is it I provide want to provide to the world. And I built habits around that, too, like um, blogging or putting videos on YouTube or writing and uh, and speaking. And, and, and that's that's how I went about it. That's awesome, man. Again, people, uh, I need you guys to get in touch with Mitch. He has come and he has um, released to us him, his energy, his wisdom, uh, all that he is and all that he was so that you can partake of him, gain insight and know that he's here to be a part of the community that you need. And I uh, commend you guys to begin to start reaching out to him and become a part of his community. Mitch, thank you so much for coming to Threads of Enlightenment, sir. I absolutely appreciated this, and I will uh, uh, continue to lift you up so that you can grow this community. And uh, I always tell people we got to grow it so that we can change this world, man. Thank you. 
Thank you, Ken. I, I had an amazing conversation. It was so good getting to talk to you. And I hope some people, um, you know, listening got value out of it. And, um, yeah, I'd love to share with you. We spoke about these habits. I actually wrote, um, a little ebook about them that people can download from my website at the debuglife.com. Um, and that kind of talks about like which habits I use and exactly how to implement them, you know, like how to meditate, like how to actually do these things. Um, and when I do them and such. And, um, uh, yeah, so people can 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 check me out there if they want. But thank you so much for having me. Um, it was very enlightening to talk to you. Oh, thank you, sir. And I'm going to provide everything for them, Mitch, so that they can get this ebook. Um, guys, I know the ebook talks about all kinds of stuff. Um, I actually, I was reading some of his uh, blog and posts that he has out here, and it is rich. And you need to get in touch with him, uh, get that book, and uh, begin to taste your freedom and envision your peace. As Mitch said, peace is invaluable. Again, thank you so much, Mitch. Yes. Thank you. Everyone who's listening to this podcast, we hope to continually help you to learn how to embrace moments of darkness because it is in the darkness that we learn how to develop and use our abilities to truly see those parts of ourselves often invisible to us in the light. It becomes your responsibility to navigate through all of your trials to find out who you truly are and begin your journey to loving yourself, which is possibly one of the most difficult things you will ever do in your life. To love yourself and to find the real you, but always remember to enjoy the journey. Thank you for coming by. Please subscribe. And if you can support us financially, we deeply appreciate it. Until next time, Invite your family, friends, neighbors, anyone that you can. You can hear us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Music, iHeartRadio, CastBox, Overcast, and many more.